0: spotlight with sarah hendy brought to you by the isle of man arts council
1: faster my it's sarah with you for the next half an hour lovely to have you along tonight we'll be visiting the villa marina arcade christmas market to meet some of the creatives and artisans there and we'll be speaking to local author chris thompson about his new novel centered around an elephant whisperer in africa I feel like we're really getting into the christmas spirit now so it feels like a good time to visit some of the makers at the isle of man arts council's christmas craft fair in the villa marina arcade it was very busy especially when those beautiful willow lanterns paraded through the arcade it was gorgeous but i did manage to catch a few of the makers and movers and shakers including ceramicist catherine kane printmaker grayer betteridge artist Eve Adams and first of all milliner Sue McNally The gorgeous thing about coming to see your work is that you can let your imagination run wild because everything you see you know you work so much on custom bespoke um, commissions that people can really get creative with what's in front of them Absolutely you know it's
2: it's really important that people if they're wearing a hat wear something that they love and I only want people to wear something that they love um, so I like working with my clients to choose the fabrics choose the colors choose the finish that they want to have be that in a, in fabric be it in silk be it in wool felt it doesn't matter what it is all of those can be combined
1: yeah and I suppose we're so lucky and um, that we're able to attend events over the festive season and to have something special for that is just oh such a joy
2: yeah it's unbelievable the amount of people that are walking through the arcade tonight and be it in the arcade be it in the theater we're just so lucky that we can just do what we do and as we normally would each christmas here on the island
1: and if people want to get in touch with you um how do we how do we find your work how can we get in in contact I have my Facebook page,
2: um, Glenmore Millinery, and I, I post on that regularly with what I'm making, and um, I quite often I'll put things on with, say, leather flowers um, and roses and lilies, and ask people what their opinions are on them, or I'll show um, that I've just made something different that I haven't made before, and um, just so that people can comment on them. So I'm based in Solby, so I have a home studio in Solby, and really, if, if I'm at home, I'm open, so I can uh, seven days a week evenings I'm around.
1: Yeah. Gosh, do you know I hadn't even thought of um, of social media being that kind of resource for you. So you can kind of like ask the audience in a way. Yeah, yeah I, I do quite a lot of ask the audience,
2: and I, it's a good way to get gauge feedback on, the, say, the colours I'm making things in or the fabrics I'm making things in. Um, because if people are liking it then I know that maybe that's a route to go down or if I don't get much of a response then maybe not that's not the route to go down not necessarily forever but at that time yeah fantastic
1: well good on you and um, yeah we're looking forward to see you at the the next Christmas fair oh my goodness Eve we seem to have found ourselves in the middle of the lantern parade what a display
3: I know it's more than I've ever seen
1: before look at them all they're fantastic wow that's amazing we've got (laughs) moons we've got Snowman, we've got all sorts, but oh, then... Look at that elephant. There's an elephant, oh mushrooms,
3: all sorts of things. It's an incredible display of creativity.
1: Crikey, what a show. Um, and here on your lovely little di- table, um, displaying all of your wares. I understand you got into printmaking a little bit through lockdown. I
3: did, yeah. I had a little go at printmaking. It was nice to be creative just for the sake of it. And, um, yeah, it seemed to go quite well. I really enjoyed the process. So, yeah, I had a little go of that. I've got a few of those here with me today. Um, and then that kind of faded away a bit again. As creativity naturally does, I suppose. We've lockdown gave us all that chance to be a bit more natural with it. So, yeah, I did enjoy that. i got yeah. some here today, and there's all sorts There's another printmaker here today as well. It's an amazing show here. It's yeah.
1: great. It's wonderful. What a lovely um, gathering of, of creative people. Um, and also, these little sculptures are just exquisite. I've not oh, seen you. anything quite like this before, especially here on the Isle of Man. Um, what, what got you going on this, on this little thread?
3: Um, I'm not really sure, to be honest. I've always loved tiny little things and miniatures, and I've always loved dioramas. And last year, I made a series of uh, Manx willow wreaths, so I cut the willow, dried it, and then I did tiny little landscape dioramas on the willow wreaths. And they were really popular and they seemed to captivate people and uh, really kind of seize the imagination. But they were quite delicate and impractical to transport um, and people loved them, but I, I just didn't want to make a lot of them and I thought, why not, take it, why not make it a bit pure and just purely make dioramas for the sake of it. And yeah, they've kind of, people have they've taken people by storm. Um, <laughs> I'm really overwhelmed by it and everyone that's seen this today has been really smiling and happy and everyone's got their own story that it evokes in their minds, so... What creativity is about, isn't it? Connecting with people in different ways. So, yeah, so I'm quite emotional about how they've been received.
1: <laughs> oh, that must be such a lovely feeling is, because really you, really, you really put yourself out there, don't you, yeah, when you're creative and you share your I'm work. It's just
3: kind of shaking, uh, sunk away into the background, really, but smiling at people and chatting as well. It's
1: yeah. so scary, but yeah, it's nice to see. <laughs> well done, you. And Thank in you. terms of like theme, you still got the birds going through, you still got the natural landscapes um what's what's inspired you in terms of um subject matter
3: Uh, well just the Isle of man in general as always i suppose but with the lockdown with our daily constitutionals coming back and thing and going out for a long walk i don't know it's been in my head more and kind of sometimes i've walked the dogs on my own or go for a home but it's more connecting with other people and walking with my other half and noticing new things and just i don't know just new feelings and conveying that in slightly different ways i suppose i don't know it's hard to explain just kind of warmth of the island and seeing it in new ways
1: yeah and yet they're all kind of I love how safe they are they have a real feeling of like I don't know
3: what you mean but there's always an edge to them like there's always with the lighthouse and the seascapes there's always maybe a a little uh, uh, a life belt floating away or there's (laughs) always (laughs) something but it's lovely to imagine when you when you curled up on a sofa in a blanket with a cover. I I love imagining the waves and and what it's like out there so we kind of literally like looking into your brew and imagining a seascape in it that's what these kind of bring that feeling to life Well, that's what i hope they do anyway gorgeous thank you
1: well and um we've still got a few weeks until christmas where where will we be able to see you again and um and where can we find more of your work have you got any online space or anything
3: The next fair I'm physically at will be Laxey, which is a huge fair over the whole village. I'm located at the Laxey Glen, but there's uh, stalls all over the entire village, so check that out online. Um, And you can find me on Instagram as Paint and Thimble, or search me on Facebook as Eve Adams Paint and Thimble. And there's lots of images of my work and the stories behind them and the materials and how I go about making them. And yeah, I'd love to see people's comments. It's brilliant. Yeah. So,
1: yeah. you've kind of been making little worlds for us for quite a while now with the fairy doors and the trail and the yeah. and that kind of... It, I feel as though you're creating these little doorways to other worlds for us. Oh,
3: thank you. That, uh, that makes me so happy that you feel it like that, cause that's
1: uh, Yeah, they're doorways into my mind. And then, yeah, they connect with other people too. So, yeah. Thank it it you. Catherine, it's lovely to see you here. Your work really is um, so sweet and delicate and lovely. What what inspires you? What what got you into to making this kind of thing?
0: Well, I love porcelain. I love that you can get it so it's so fine and delicate. But then I also love colour and the fun aspects of using colour. So I think you can have porcelain work, which is quite serious. So I've got a few pieces which are my botanical pots. Um, but then... What's not to love about a Christmas basking shark with a Santa hat on? Um, So, you know, that's kind of. I just love the fun elements of stuff and getting colour into things as well.
1: And these are, I mean, the light that you get through porcelain is just astonishing. Have you used? It looks like you've used real fuchsias and snowdrops
0: to to create these impressions. Yes. So basically, they are seasonal pots. So I can only make them at certain times of the year so um february time i'll be making some snowdrop pots um, and finding some really nice snowdrops in my garden and pressing them into the porcelain and then i'll make it into the shape i want to make it Uh, summertime it's fuchsia and autumn it's things like ferns and and other kind of leaves and things Um, so the One of the fantastic things about porcelain is it's white, so you can get a pure white finish, but it's also translucent. So if you can manage to roll it thin enough, um, you can get a really good light shining through in the delicate leaves and petals of the flowers. um. That's such a skill, though, because it's quite sticky to work with, really, isn't it, porcelain? Yeah, it is. It's it's a very different medium to work with than your groggier clays, like, like crank, um, so you kind of have to have a lot of practice doing it and be prepared to lose quite a few pieces, but I think the results are worth it, so you just kind of keep going, and, and then if you need to make something which is a bit more sort of rough and ready and get a big piece going, pick up your, your bag of groggy crank clay and, and like the angel there, it's, um, it kind of works really well for that,
1: so... And in these porcelain pieces with the the, the, sort of the candle holders and you've got the light coming through and you can see the impression of all the flowers you were just talking about, there are bits and pieces of green and kind of darker shades in there.
0: Are they from the plants themselves? No. So everything that's from the plant is burnt out in the first firing. In the They call it the bisque firing. And then after I've um, done a bisque firing, I will... try and pick out some of the detail in a copper oxide and so when that gets through its second firing which goes to like 1280 degrees it it then diffuses through the glaze and gives this lovely green kind of uh, tint really. So you get two pots (laughs) in one, you get a, a tea light holder in the dark so you get the beautiful impression of that but then during the day you get a lovely sort of misty green
2: Thank you oh
1: my God. They're so ethereal and delish I just love them and although tonight is just a one-off event where else can we find you in the run-up to Christmas?
0: Well I'll be at Lease Farm on the 5th of December and at the Manx Museum on the 6th of December and then on the 12th and 13th of December I'll be at the House of Manannan for the um, Scandinavian Christmas event. It should
1: be oh, gorgeous. Sounds so cozy. I can't wait for that one. And if people want to see more of
0: your work or get hold of you and they can't make the fairs for whatever reason, where can we find you? Okay, so I am on Instagram and Facebook under Catherine Kane Design. Um, I also have an email address, Katherine Kane Design at gmail.com. Um, and you can see pictures of my work on Instagram and Facebook uh, and just get in touch through any of those ways. My name's
4: Greya, and I make prints, except I kind of use my prints on all sorts of products, so it's not just the prints. There's notebooks and diaries and cards because there's a lot of flexibility with it, which I quite enjoy. Um, I really enjoy the whole process, so you get to draw, and then you have your time carving, and then the inking's the exciting bit because you don't quite know how it's going to turn out, so that's that's always a bit of a joy when you peel it back and you're like, yes! Or you're a bit like, oh, I'll try again. Um, Happy accidents, you know. It's all Uh, learning, And then what do I always say to me? Perfectly imperfect. That is kind of how I roll. I'm like, yeah, not quite what I expected, but I can live with this. Yeah. (laughs) Amazing. (laughs) And you've got this gorgeous stall here
1: at the arcade. Um, But I suppose we're only really just kind of getting into the swing of things Christmas
4: wise. Where else will we be able to find you before Um, Christmas? So I'm at Peggy's next Thursday for the late night shopping. For the crew alternative market, and then I am down at the bottom monkey for every Saturday leading up to Christmas. Really good. So yeah, it's my first winter of doing Christmas markets. How are like, you finding it? Um Well, I think. I'm prepared, but I'm pretty sure I'm going to find I might not be. So um, I'm I'm ace at winging it, and that's what I'm doing as you amazing think. And for anyone who
1: can't get out and about in the lead up to Christmas, I don't know if anyone's shielding or taking it yeah. easy or anything. Is there anywhere else
4: we can find you? Yes. work? So I go under Betty Prince on Instagram, and I am on Facebook as well. So if you want to, if you like something and you want to get in touch with me, do it. Do it through those, and I'll come back to you. Wonderful. We'll have yeah. a great season of festive fairs and things thank
2: you very much that's lovely thank you spotlight brought to you by the Isle of man arts council
1: oh thanks to everyone who made the time to stop and have a chat with me there it's always so hectic at christmas markets but it's so lovely to hear what everyone's up to and what they're planning speaking of which let's do a quick recap of some of the dates mentioned there there are plenty of opportunities to get your local Christmas shopping done. First ones coming up are the close Lease Christmas event on the 5th and also the King Williams College Christmas Fair, so that's this Saturday, closely followed by Manx National Heritage's Christmas event on the 6th, that's this Sunday, and then on the 12th and 13th at the House of Manannan, you can enjoy the Hooger Market, which is the cosy, festive, yummy little market at the House of Manan, and that's the 12th and the 13th so not this weekend but the weekend following and every Saturday now until Christmas you can head to Bottle Monkey in Douglas for all of your local Christmas shopping too so hope you make it to some of those markets to support our local creatives and producers as well Now we're joined in the studio by author Christopher Thompson who has recently published his first adventure novel which is aimed at young people it's about an elephant whisperer who finds himself getting caught up in all sorts of trouble. Chris, you trained as a zoologist, and although I know you took a deep tour through sales and marketing, with writing already being a big part of your life, I'm sure you must have been itching to write about this beautiful part of the world and some of the animals you encountered during your time there. They are exciting adventure stories, aren't they? How does that take shape?
5: The Phoenician treasure, there's a theory that the Phoenicians originally... Were the first people to sail around Africa, because they were famous um, sailors, and there is talk uh, that even in Zimbabwe they traded with the uh, Queen of Sheba, and the early Phoenicians were at the roundabout at the same time as the Shebans. Uh, so I've tied that in together, so that the Phoenicians lost some treasure up a river in Africa, and Tomo has found it, but he found a body. And that's how he got involved, so now they're after pirates, and uh, it's quite exciting and The Pangolin idea came to me long before it became a sort of a a david Attenborough sort of top of the range thing yeah. that they were amazing animals, and in Zimbabwe they were disappearing because there was a a myth that if you found a, a pangolin and then you took it to your chief i e Mugabe um you'd have luck for the rest of your life. So everybody was now collecting them and taking them to Mugabe, and he didn't know what to do with all these. So he was actually releasing them somewhere else but then somebody else was collecting them. And <laughs> yeah.
1: A cycle going on there. Yeah, so
5: I thought that was why the pangolins came into it. And, um, and as a conservation um, animal, it was small enough for people to take out of the country without major logistical problems. And
1: your process, so I can I can understand where the inspiration comes from. Your knowledge—it sounds, you know, you found the the, the perfect vehicle to, to share that knowledge and that insight. Um, when you decided you were going to start writing, how did you begin?
5: That, that's a good point because when I I actually thought about it for quite a long time, and I decided I used to be a great fan of, of still am of Agatha Christie. And according to one of her publishers, she started her book on Monday and finished it and handed it in on Friday. But she had obviously done all the background work beforehand. Mm -hmm. So she had obviously done a lot of background before she put pen to paper to write the book. When I was looking at the background, I was getting getting too bogged down and trying, and I actually ended up starting. I, I worked out where am I gonna start I'll just start it. <laughs> and then as I wrote it, I thought, hmm, now this is, is this going in the right direction? And then a couple of times I'd have to stop and change direction because I was going to f- put box myself yeah. I- I- in a sort of one-way street and, and not be able to get out of it. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's how the first one started. Since then, that was for the p- pangolin poaching. Uh, When I came to write the next one, I now had a better idea of what my start, my middle, and my end would have to be, sort of. But I didn't know how the end would be until I got to sort of chapter 20. Uh, (laughs) uh, Whereas I'm sure Agatha Christie knew the end before she wrote the first word. Stopping a flow is actually quite a problem because it then takes you a while to get going again. I used to try and write for about four or five hours. And quite honestly, the reason I used to stop was because my back packed up, <laughs> you know, sitting in a, in a ty- typing oh, yeah. position, um, whereas I'm sure experts would have stopped after two hours and gone for a half-hour walk, and I didn't do any of that. I just did yeah. And then when I started the next day, I basically edited the chapter I'd just done, which got me back into the flow. And sometimes reading that chapter is when I thought, no, this is where I've going wrong. So I made a few changes. And so the second day, I don't, might only manage half of what I'd written the first day, mm-hmm. because I was too busy stopping and starting. And then the following day, I'd actually write a whole lot more.
1: Collating these writings and uh, ending up with the, the final product, the published book, which is available on Amazon, I believe, is it? Um, yeah. What was that publishing process like for you? Because I've heard it can be rather
5: tricky. Yeah, no, actually, I I was very lucky because I I had heard all about these horror stories, including J.K., who went to twenty odd publishers or something, and I because I had been to the um the writers workshop at King William's College.
1: Oh, as part of the the Manx Lit Fest.
5: Yeah. 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 Okay. So I went there and I, yeah. That was the one I took my book, and I actually paid to have one of their experts come and read it. So um. I I knew the the stumbling blocks and, in fact, at that thing they generally said you're better off trying to do self-publish. But a lot of people doing that is really just for self-gratification say, oh, there's my book and they only want one copy. I wasn't doing it for that. I was trying to make some money out of it. (laughs) Um, So that's why I designed the thing right at the beginning that it would be a series. Mm -hmm. And it was never going to be just a one-off. Um, because now you've got to come up with a brand new character and a brand new this and a brand new, uh, a series. I thought was easier. Um, and the people when I went on internet, every man needs dogs. Try to take your money to do a publishing for you, and with greater or lesser amounts of payback for you. And these guys that I found, Michael Terrace Publishing, they they had a flat fee of about 500 pounds, and for that, they would go through all those hoops for you to get the thing going. They would actually get it onto Amazon. They would get it onto Kindle, and they had 400,000 on their Twitter. They could tell you, your book's books around. They've now got a new thing on Kindle that you don't have to buy the book, you pay by the page. So I get a report It tells me that yesterday so many people read so many pages of Kindle of my book
1: what's that what's that like for your confidence? is that um well, it's up it, and down, eh? yeah, I was gonna say it must be up and down because yeah, creatives we find our passion, we find our talent, and yet we have to be everything else as well. It's I think your background in sales and marketing is probably coming in very handy there, but um, yeah, it's so interesting to hear these stumbling blocks and the the difficulties you faced um so this book, Tom and the Phoenician Treasure. Although the story is set in Africa, um, in what, what, what is the name of um, the location it's set? Because you said you've sort of created this. Um, oh, no, the,
5: the, the country is a place called Zembola and uh, it has Katangarangi north of it as a border. And it goes like, as far as the sea. So it's definitely not Zimbabwe because it's, <laughs> it doesn't go to the sea because yes. um, I needed the Phoenicians to be able to sail up a river. And Mozambique, they get so far and then they hit rapids, so that, they, that wasn't going to work. So that's why I had to make up my own place, you see. Yeah. It's based on my experiences in the Zambezi Valley. My next one will be Vikings, oh, yeah. and that will be based on the Isle of Man. Exciting. Okay. But I know a lot more about Zambola than I do about the Irish Sea, so I've got to do a lot more swatting up, otherwise I could be making big mistakes on the <laughs> Vikings. <laughs>
1: And that's all we have time for this week. But thanks for joining me. If you'd like to listen to any of today's episode again, you'll find it on the Manx Radio website as a free podcast, which you can stream, download or subscribe to. And that'll just ping to your device as soon as the episode is released as a podcast. Very handy. You won't miss a thing that way. Anyway, until next Wednesday, have a lovely creative week. Slen you.